appreciate, but it really is good just to be with you. And I appreciate uh, just your time as leaders and pastors coming together. We are incredibly grateful for our partnership. And, uh, you know, no doubt it's been a year we're going to hear or been a season that many of us have been through and obviously challenges that we just keep facing. Uh, but I think for me, it has really just strengthened what true partnership looks like, why it's needed uh, in this isolated season of all the stuff. It's just so good to know that, yes, we're connected to Jesus, but also connected to so many people around the world. And certainly here in this great nation, we're facing similar things, different in our boat, as it were, but the same storm. And we're all having to navigate our way through this. But God's got this. And I know you know that. And I'm not going to just throw a few cliches. I really do want to challenge us back to what God's called us to. And uh, I'm going to do this as best as I can in hopefully being led by the Spirit, just to try and pick up where we're at, what God's saying. I'm sure you've been on your knees a lot more than ever before. That's a good thing. Um, and I think God allowed some of this. I, I just want you to know, I don't believe God sent COVID. I'm not going to fight you on that. I just don't believe He did. I know, okay, we won't even go where we believe it came from. But I, I, I sorry, I'm getting in trouble saying things. But just having some fun with you, relax. But I do want to say, I know that God allowed COVID. And the reason I know He allowed it is because it happened. And there's a lot of bad stuff because of COVID. But my goodness, there's a lot of good stuff for the church in our great nation. And I know I have an accent, but I'm talking to us as Americans, all right? An American to American. And there's some things that God's dealt with and challenged us in and challenged us with. And I, I trust that we've heard, listened, responded, and dealt with the things that need to be dealt with. Let's not waste the season with all the pain and the loss. and the, Let's not have wasted the season that we've gone through and are still in. And we can talk to the church, and we gather this weekend, but we're talking to leaders this morning. And, and in a sense, it's God's desire for us as leaders to adapt and adjust to what it is He's called us to do. And I'm pretty sure if we were brave, we could take the mic and go around and ask each one of you what God has said and what God's telling you. And it might be different. I'm sure it's linked together if it's from God. But we all have a different expression. And I want to say we celebrate difference. We all have a different understanding, and that's good because God's made us different and with different gifts and understanding. But there's one church, friends, one king. And as partners in the gospel, we've got to come back to contending for the right things again. And I'm convinced that shaking reveals what we're anchored to. We can claim we're anchored to all this stuff, and when the shaking takes place, that's what reveals what we're anchored to. If you've got a Bible, go with me quickly to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter. Now you realize I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching with you, to you, to us. And nothing I believe that I'm going to say this morning you haven't heard before. And to be honest, I make no apologies for that. You know, one of the books I've been studying through this season and God's taken me back to it is, is the book of Jonah. <laughs> There's four simple chapters in the book of Jonah, but it's a profound story. And I know someone will say, well, it's about a whale. It's not about a whale at all. It's not even about a fish. It's about the plans and the purposes of God. And I love when I started, God took me back to that. And it says in, Je in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach against it, for his wickedness has come up against me. 
but Jonah ran away. And then we got a whole chapter and a half of God having to deal with Jonah. When when Nineveh was God's problem, then Jonah became God's problem. And for a chapter and a half, God has to deal with Jonah. And then chapter 3, verse 1, and the word of the Lord came a second time. And guess what? It was the same word. Go to Nineveh and preach against it for its wickedness has come. And guess what? This time, Jonah obeyed. And in the obedience of Jonah listening to God, the second time, a whole city repented. And God held back from what he said he was going to do. Are you hearing this? Everything's changed in this season. However, in God's economy, nothing has changed. Same word. Who changed? Jonah. Who had to change? Jonah. Same word. And what I'm trying to say to you and I is it's the same purpose of God. In it, through it, under it, out of it, into it, whatever it be, God is not changing. God's purpose hasn't changed. And what he's had to do is do some dealing with us as his people, as his servant, as his church, to bring us back to his purpose and his plan. Are you there? So we've probably had some whale belly experience, fish belly experience. And But actually, it's the goodness of the Lord. And I know this sounds harsh, but I want to tell you, God is so good to us that He allows us on this side of eternity to face some of this stuff so we can fix it this side of eternity and not get to heaven one day and go, we gave our lives to something that really didn't matter. God is so kind, so good. So He didn't send this, but He allowed this. And God has sorted some of the church out again, which includes you and I this morning, to get us back to not... Him changing, us changing back into the plans and the purpose of God. So the word of the Lord came once, it came again. Same word, different response. So what we're saying is be free to preach what God's always said. Don't come with the next and the new. Otherwise we need more whales. And I'm kind of over the whale thing. Let's get on with it. So, So no doubt this morning there's some of you that perhaps are looking for, hey, God, speak to me, and God, challenge me, and God, minister to me. I believe He wants to do all that, but I feel like in these last couple of equips or GTTs, it's like some marching orders. It's not just to encounter us afresh, which matters. It's some, he's bringing us some marching orders again, friends, and, and they're not to march in our own thing. It's to come back. To, it's like we've been through some stuff. Now let's get on with what God's called us to do, and I don't know what that means for you, and I'm not even going to try and imply it, but I do want to say we've got to settle some things in this season. Settle them and then walk in them. Don't just settle them and go back to what was. Cannot be nostalgic for a season we no longer live in. God has moved us on, and the church has moved into new things. We've had to let go of some stuff, and I just, I'm watching, listening globally, but here in our nation, we begin to pick it all up again. I want to get back to that. God, give us wisdom, not, not for what we want, for what He's saying. There's some wants that need to be released, some pastors' wants that we want for our people and want for our church and our region. We've got to release them and say, no longer, not what I want, I want what you want. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter says, 
His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason... Make every effort to add to your faith. Now, can I just say, fear rises in the absence of faith. I'll just leave it there. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. (laughs) And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. Wow, how are these words? And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities. Now, can I just pause and say, leaders, we cannot pass on what we don't possess. Come on, people, get it, people. You should write. No, no, we got to pass this on. We can talk about it. We can preach about it. What do we possess? That's what people got catching. He's saying, if we possess these qualities in an increasing measure, <laughs> they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. In your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted. I want to just tell you, we do not need nearsighted elders, pastors, and leaders in the church. He is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, because of that, my brothers, be all the more eager not to get a bigger church, to make your name famous, to get back to the things that you really hope for, to be the greatest church in America, to do all these things that are in our hearts as ambition. But rather, be all the more eager to make your calling. An election, sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall. Never. Regardless of what lies ahead and who knows. And apparently we get more lockdowns and shutdowns. I don't know, friends. And, and let me just tell you, if I read Matthew 24, it does warn that stuff is going to happen. So if it's not now, then sometime. And we should prepare the church for the sometime. So why not now? So I don't think we get out of this and we got out of Dodge and now we missed a bullet. No, no, it's the next and the next. And what we got to do is stay the course. Lead God's people in it, with it, and through the season into the fullness of what He's called us by bringing us back to the purpose and the plans of God. 
We, yeah, okay. And you, verse 11, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I will always remind you. Are you hearing this, leaders? Always remind. None of us like to be reminded. Don't embarrass my one son here. Joshua is sitting in the front row. He's bigger than me, but I'm still his dad. And he kicked the ball in my house recently. And I went to him and I said, son, I need to tell you this again. (laughs) Forgive me, it's just my pet peeve. You will never, as long as you live in my house, you cannot kick the ball in my house. And not because I want to be, I just can't afford to fix everything he breaks. But I realized he's not, how old are you, Josh? 19. He's 19. I stopped saying that and he starts kicking the ball. It's like, Hello. You stop saying it. You stop reminding. God stops reminding us or we stop reminding the people. They start doing it. And we wonder why. It's our fault because we're trying to get clever with the next and the new without this reminding. And even Peter said, even though you are established in this, meaning not only are you doing it, you're established in it, I'm going to remind you. Come on, church. We've got to pastors. We've got to stop this thing of, I better come with the next and the new. And what are they preaching in Stephen Furthick's church and this guy's church? I've got nothing wrong with those people. Please hear me. But we better remind God's people what God's called us to do. And we've got to keep coming back to that. Because when I go to God, He doesn't give me the new. He tells me what He's already said. And that often is the new because we're so busy with something else. We have a moment in time to reestablish and set the church up in America for the next generation and the next season. We really do. And I wouldn't have chosen you, but I wouldn't have chosen me. But God chose us for this season, for this time. And we can squander it, hold on and hope our people come back. We can find ways in God to get people back to what matters because our government's not going to do that and has never been called to do that. God's called the church, you and I in this room, to take people back to what really matters. So I'll always remind you of these things. Even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. We're not asking. God's not asking us, do we know this? I'm not asking, do you know this? Because I know you know this, and I know this. Are we doing it? Big difference. I think it's right to refresh your memory. As long as I live in the tent of this body. Because I know that I will soon be put aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, when I'm gone, when we gone, you will always be able to remember these things. Remind, refresh, remember. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Go to Nineveh, preach against it. The word of the Lord came a second time. Go to Nineveh, preach against it. Remind, refresh. Remember, the call doesn't change. Verse 16, we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from the majestic glory saying, This is my Son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard His voice, that came from heaven 
when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. True prophecy. A lot of prophecy has, but not true prophecy. Not the word. Didn't originate with man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There have been many pivots in this season, many changes. I'd love to hear, and we're going to probably hear over these next couple of days, some of the changes that have come and needed to come and how the church has changed. And I think some of the biggest pivots for me, the biggest pivot, I think, is that the church was forced to move from doing church to actually being church, which sounds, yeah, yeah, but it changes everything. No longer what we do on Sundays and our gatherings about being the church all the time. Fancy that. Can you gather? It doesn't matter. You're still the church. What are we going to do if there is another lockdown? Go back online? No, no. Mobilize the saints to be the church because that's how we're going to impact the city and the nation. Good to gather. We need to. And that's got to be talked about again because the church is not an optional extra for deluxe bored Christians. God's only way. He doesn't have another plan, even in lockdown and shutdown and everything else. But, but what I also want to suggest is that the callings have been tested like never before. Darian, I'll quote him, and if he's wrong, blame him. He, he, he came out, I heard him preach recently saying 35,000 churches in this great nation, America alone, have shut down and will never open up again since COVID-19. 35,000. Now, if it's not that, it's still a lot. I'm not here to throw rocks and point fingers, but can I be bold enough to say it would seem that position-led churches have shut down. And the call-led churches have stayed on. And I'm not throwing rocks, because maybe this morning in this room, some of you have had to come back to, is this a position or is this a calling? And I want to be bold enough to say, if it's a position, shut down. Call us and we'll find a call-led leader. It's not arrogance. It's like we, it's like if there's anything else you can do, go do it. And that's kind of what we've seen. And I I mean, we've all considered. And listen, I'm global and I I lead a team of little more than what Jody said. That's okay. And numbers don't matter, but a lot more than what Jody said. And pastors, I live, and just because COVID hit doesn't mean people don't know how to get a hold of me, right? So I've spent the whole year helping people, pastors mostly, who want to quit who have quit, who've resigned, who've shut down. And I understood it, including me, saying, I want to quit every time I hear these guys going, yeah, you're right. What are we doing? But I'm serious. And I'm just, you've got to have those moments. But they best be moments if we're going to lead God's people into this glorious inheritance. Making sure of our calling, friend. That's not up to others to convince you. It's you got to be convinced. And I want to just say, if you can do something else, please, after this meeting, go do it. No, well, wait till the end of the equip and then go do it. And, <laughs> no, seriously, because this is a good test for us yes. to lead God's people into His inheritance. Yes. I'm not asking you to doubt your calling. I'm asking you to make your calling secure. Yes. 
Seasons move the church from position-led to call-led. Be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Some, some versions say, so friends, confirm God's invitation to you, His choice of you. So others say, yeah, anyway. Okay, so what does that mean? Be eager to do something. With the implication of a readiness is what it's talking about. Expend energy and effort to be eager, eagerness and devotion. Make sure that, which, which means uh, to know with certainty. Not to have moments of doubt, that's fine. But uh, are you still convinced? To be eager, eagerness, devotion. Make sure that which is known to be certainty, known to be true, certain, verified. That's what he's saying. Is it known to be true? Is it certain? Is it verified? Calling to urgently invite someone. That's what the word is. Urgently invite someone to accept responsibility for a particular task, implying a new relationship to the one who does the calling, to the called one who calls us to a task. And let me just again remind you, a call is an urgent appeal from God Himself. And if it was handpicked or chosen by someone else or voted, I'm not going to have a... Good luck. If people think you should, good luck. If you think you should, good luck. Let me get in trouble because I know not everyone here is an elder and there's a few potential elders and everyone's a potential in our togetherness because we need leaders. <laughs> but, but I want to just clarify something. We should not be surprised the mess and the chaos in the church when we put people in eldership positions who are not qualified. And the reason we put them in is because of this thing of calling because they feel called doesn't mean they are called. And we're not trying to make it hard. We just need to know... Because you feel called doesn't mean God called you. And then we wonder the mess in the church because elders are not qualified to be elders because God never called them to, even though they felt they want to be. Does that make sense? It's not enough to say, I feel called. Good, that's a great start. But verified by others, called by God. There's got to be fruit. It's got to be more than I feel called. I don't really want to get a real job or go to college. I just want to be an elder because it's easy. I'm not mocking. I'm just saying, you better know. And right now, we better know. And those of you who are elders right now, you better know. And I'm not getting a question. We've been questioned. But have you settled He chose you? And not to have a position in the church, but to minister and lead God's people to their glorious inheritance, to live in victory, to be in a place of victory, to be in the front leading by example. And if He didn't call you, you're done. If He did, you got this. What else can you do? I've considered. Most Monday mornings leading a church, I'm like, there's got to be something else for me. And you know what it's based on? How many people came to the meeting? I mean, are you insane? Think about how stupid that is. My call is based on who comes to the meeting. Are you serious? Yeah, we are every Monday. I mean, just think. Imagine the Father in heaven going, oh, my word. What is wrong with you? Do you think I care about the numbers in your church? Yes, you do care. I don't care. I'll call you to do what I called you to do. That's what you do. That's what I care about. 
I'm not saying numbers don't matter, but are you going to allow your calling based on other people's response? You're going to let others dictate your call. You're going to let their response dictate who you're called to be. Well, then you've missed who you're called to be. I'm doing my best, Debs. I'm trying. <laughs> Make sure that which is known with certainty. Even if you wouldn't have picked you, it doesn't matter. He picked you. If you've got every reason not to, it doesn't matter. It's just like, stop. You'll find people who can tell you you shouldn't be. And they are out there. My goodness. What have we said? I've got in trouble. I'm going to say it. You know it. I don't know if social media has enabled the lame to walk. But my goodness, it has enabled the dumb to speak. You know it. Some of us are out there saying dumb things. Stop. You'll find people backing you one way or the other. What does he say? That's all that matters right here, guys. And that's kind of what the test has been. They say, you say, he says, or I say. Calling to urgently invite someone to accept responsibility for a particular task. Implying a new relationship to the one who does the calling. To call, to call to a task. It Guys, a, a call is an urgent appeal from God Himself. It's a big deal. You want to know why? Because it's a big and important job to God. It's an invitation to accept responsibility with authority and responsibility. Know this, that if He didn't call you, you haven't got the authority. You haven't. You can pick it. Pick me, Jesus. Pick me, coach. Pick me. He doesn't do that. He calls you. And if he calls you, just know this. With that call comes responsibility and authority. Best we walk in that. He gives you responsibility and authority. It's an invitation that implies one, a new relationship. Friends, let me just tell you, I go back to Scripture again and again, and Jesus calls us to Him before He calls us for Him. It's always two rather than just four. And some of us are so good with the four, we're forgetting the two. Our relationship as elders has to be more connected to Him than we are connected to anything else. And with that call, He gives us this great responsibility of having this great relationship with Him and with the people. Don't neglect the call to him for the expense of the call for him. I mean, listen, we all said, gee, if only I had more time. I mean, come on, we all said that. I've never met a person say, if only I had more time, I'd spend it with Jesus. Well, then we got time. 2020, <laughs> the world shut down, including you and your church. We did. For some time, the whole world shut down. Let me ask you, how much time did you spend with him? Because you had more time. Guaranteed. You got busy with all this other stuff. Why? Because it's not time. It's priority. We gave time to that which is a priority. And if it wasn't with him, he's not a priority. And it's not an accusation. It's a stop blaming time and get back to what matters. If we're going to, in the season, function in the bigness of what God intended, it's not going to be downloads from podcasts. and re It's going to be us connecting with him from that place to minister to his people. Uh, this is not new, but this is the call. Call to me, call from me. 
calls us himself first and foremost. And I want to just say, keep your call fresh in your mind as you face every challenge and responsibility you've been through and still what's to come. Responsibility versus call. One of my friends who leads a church in England and also carries a lot of our responsibility globally, he called me one day. He said, my kids are doing the worship. My family's doing this. We're doing the online thing. I'm burning out. I'm dying. And he stated this to me. He said, actually, our responsibility is outweighing our call. And I'm burning out. And I said, that's exactly right. When you allow your responsibility to become your focus at the expense of your call, get your call sorted, the responsibility will find its place. You and I are called to do things we've never even been taught. And good luck in seminary telling you how to do this. None of us wanted to be a TV evangelist. Now we're all online all the time. And I mean, you got these guys with their f- iPhones trying to stop. All right, don't do it anymore. <laughs> we're terrible at this, but we're doing our best. And no one taught us. No one taught us. We're just terrible. Just do your best. But all these battles we're facing, friends. I mean, I'm just, I'm not, wow. But come back to the call. Make your call secure. It's got to be settled for this great season that lies ahead for his people. It's got to be leaders first. You know, I I just can be vulnerable for a moment. It's like the ups of what we call to. And I talk to people, and we're planting churches, and and I'm like, so, and then we have an equips, and they're pumping. We 10,000 people showed up at our equipping in South Africa, even in shutdown lockdown. Not online, showed up in COVID, in that country that's sending this bad variant. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. 10,000 people in shutdown. I'm just... They weren't shut down. They were allowed to meet. We had 50 uh, gatherings of 250 people in the gatherings. And they had more people than that show up. Just don't get in trouble. And I'm like, wow. And then someone phones me and says, my son was out swimming and he's gone. Like in the beach, at the beach, we can't find his body. Gone. And you're like, the highs of this call and the lows of which this lady lost her husband to COVID this year too. Now her son's drowned and they can't find his body. It's been four days. I mean, I can't think of anything worse. Not, not having the body. I mean, how do you move on? You can't. I'm like, I'm not, it's just like, this is pastoring. This is leadership. Some guy said to me recently, Chi, I've never thought of you, Tyron. I thought you only deal with top, uh, top uh, uh, what's it? What? Yeah, top-tier stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'd love to have that position. <laughs> well, I don't have to talk to any people who are hurting. It'd be awesome. I could stand up and tell you how awesome I am. Are you with me? It's not. It's this emotional up-and-down roller coaster. And let me tell you, if you haven't burn out, burnt out, you're about to. If your responsibility is outweighing your call. And all the stuff we do outside of it, the responsibility, it's because of the call. Get this divine revelation again. I'm called. God put me here. I don't feel like I'm capable to do all this. It doesn't matter. He put me here. 2021, uh, determine the times and places to lead His people in this incredible season. And all I've got to do is settle the call. And the responsibility must never outweigh the call. Otherwise, you're going to burn out. Calling implies the tools are there to complete the job. Not to try it, complete it. 
It will give you courage and confidence to continue in the face of human opposition. In Ephesians chapter 1, I'll just read, just the introduction, Paul's writing, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, he says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Just listen to that. Paul, that's who I am. Paul, who I am. An apostle is what I do. By the will of God, that's my authority. To the saints in Ephesus, that's my sphere. Not fighting for it, not trying to be something I'm not. Paul is who I am, and apostles, what I do, to the, by the will of God, is the authority I've been given by him. That's the authority. I don't have to force it, make it, convince people, just be it. And there's a sphere out there that's mine because God gave it to me, and that's what I'm about. Settle some of that. The calling will be far more effective in the season that we're in. When you're arm wrestling to be someone or try to be, or just, just be who God's called you to be. Don't settle. Settle in it, but don't settle in what you're doing. Does that make sense? As I said earlier, one of the dangers in this, to the unqualified being ordained as elders is most think of the call to ministry. When you confuse personal desire as God's call, we shouldn't be surprised when chaos is in the church. Now that's for free. This is going to cost. Now we're going to talk. I, I love that Proverbs 29, 18. When people, uh, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know that text? I love uh, Eugene Peterson's version. He says, when people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what God reveals, that's where they're most blessed. So, so, so can I just say this to us as leaders, pastors, elders? We cannot be distracted in the season by what God's not doing because we're not able to see what God is doing. Can you and I see what God is doing in the season? Ignorance is not bliss. As elders, leaders, we've got to know. And through this crazy season, I believe the church has expanded in unexpected and, can I say, irreversible ways. No going back. I feel like 2020 was a season of release. I felt God speak to me. 2020 will be a season of release. And my goodness, then we got locked up and shut down. And I was like, how does that even work? That's not release. That's like lock up. And then I look back at the end of 2021, even now, and I realize, gee, God... Released us from some stuff. And I'm not about God's day, like a year God does. No, 2020, a year of release. I felt 2021 was a season of effectiveness. God released us from in order to release us into. Can I just say, I don't have a theology that tells me God takes from us for the sake of taking. God releases us from things to release us into greater things. Never, I'm going to just take from you because I don't like you. I mean, what kind of father are you serving? But he takes from us, and at times it makes no sense, but he takes from us in order to give us greater things. Might not seem greater, but from strength to strength. And I'm convinced in this season, the church is stronger than it's ever been because it's now real and authentic, and we know what we really have. Momentum's awesome, except when it's no longer momentum. 
Then it reveals what we really have rather than just momentum. And I believe in this now season, deep is going to be more meaningful than wide. Intimacy will become everything. Forgive me, numbers will mean very little. I'm not fighting you on numbers. I'm just telling you, base it on numbers, next shutdown, no more numbers. Performance will fail. But fires will rise. Fruitfulness will override results driven. There is a big difference. It's not about results, about fruitfulness. Results happen like this, and we see it, but they disappear. Fruit lasts forever, and we've been called to bear fruit that lasts forever. Look for fruitfulness, not for results. Radical will thrive, and nominal will fall away. And we've seen that in the church. Authentic and raw, raw, as in R-A-W, not raw like a line, raw, Authentic and raw will beat the polished, that which is polished and slick. Friends, do your best with what you got, but authentic and raw is going to outweigh the polished. It'll beat. Prophetic innovation will outstrip religion. And deeper meaning will rise while the old structures are going to fall and are falling. There's a tearing down of the old and a building up of the new. I want to say this, get ready for the times are changing. And not because, what's his name said that? Bob Dylan. Because God says that. The times are changing. And we've got to know what we've been called to. I also want to say our success, whatever it is, has been of our past, does not guarantee our fruitfulness for our future. We've got to live in the now. Work with what God's doing now. One of the guys on our team, and some of you heard this, heard me say this, but uh, Ken Grenfell, who's based in uh, Virginia, on our team, prophetic guy, uh, in 2019. Now, again, I only realized this later on, but in 2019, in October, November 2019, Toronto, Canada, he gave me this prophetic word, dream, word, dream, dream that was a word, and uh, and he said this. He said he was driving a vehicle full of people to an NCMI prayer meeting. And he dropped everyone off at their prayer meeting and he went to park his vehicle. And then he walked back towards the prayer meeting and realized that he had forgot his Bible and his notes in the prayer meet, uh, in, the, in the vehicle. And so he went back to the vehicle to get his Bible and his notes, but the vehicle was gone, disappeared. And so he turned back and he started walking to the prayer meeting and he found his Bible in the, on the sidewalk. And then we all came out of the prayer meeting and he said, hey, where you been? You missed this prayer meeting. And he woke up, 2019. And I've, he gave it to me in 2019, so I know he said this. I didn't even take note of what he said, except for prayer, because I was on this thing of prayer. And he said this. He woke up and he said, this is the interpretation I've got. He said, the vehicle that I was driving represents the church and ministry. And was taken, disappeared, gone. Now let me tell you, if you... All these prophets who show up in 2022 and say, I said it. No, no, he, he said it. I didn't see it, but he said it. And then I asked him recently, did you know that's what it meant? He said, of course not. But we were warned that the ministry, the, the, the vehicle will be taken. Mm. 
And he said, and God said, going forward, two things are required. Prayer, because I was on my way to the prayer meeting, and the Word of God, because it's the only thing I found in the sidewalk. Not my notes, it's the Word of God. 2021, I'm reading through that going, gee, I missed the first part, but I want to do better with the second part. And we're coming back, and we now vehicles are back, and people are driving their vehicles again, and here we go again. But what about the two warnings? And I don't know a pastor who wouldn't agree, of course, prayer in the Word, but I don't know if we see what prayer in the Word is really prayer in the Word. I want to challenge us, because how do we challenge the church if we as leaders are not challenged by these truths? Going forward, what's required is prayer and the Word of God. Not formulas, not structures, not what everyone else is doing, what works in South Korea, North Korea, or any other place you desire. What is God calling us to? The same. The Word of the Lord came a second time. So can I just make a couple of comments around these two things and maybe add a couple more and then we'll have a break and then we'll get to effective leadership, which is what I came to speak on. But I believe this is a season of effectiveness. And, and I do believe that. And effectiveness leads to fruitfulness. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, we've been released from in order to be released into. Now we've got to look for effectiveness and what God's doing and what God called us to. So we can be fruitful, guys. Look for fruit, not results. You don't have to hear me, you don't have to listen to me, but don't waste your time going after stuff that doesn't matter anymore. Surely we've come back to ministry that matters. It all matters, what matters and what doesn't. And let's just differentiate and go after what matters. What's eternal? What's God about? What's God doing? And let's leave the other stuff. And if people want to leave our church because of it, so what? They're going to leave anyway. No, it's easier said than done. We've had churches walk away from us in this season, shut down or walk away because they don't like the act where we're going because we're going back to the Bible. They want us to go back to their new thing or the new thing rather than the only thing that God's revealed to us again. Not ours, His, always His. His plans will never change. So we can get clever again and just lose it all. The next thing happens. Or we can come back to the matters and give our lives and know that even if it doesn't look like an effectiveness here on earth, it's what He's called us to. What else matters? Now I've arm wrestled even this morning of what I want to preach because I've got some pretty good revelation over the shutdown. But this is what the Father wants us to hear. Who am I to argue? So let me just say a couple of things, if I may, about prayer. Or let's talk about the Word of God for a moment. The Word of God, amen, Tyrone. Yes, of course, the Word of God. Okay, you know this. Are you living it? Oh, the Word, yeah, well, kind of when it fits in, we go there. When it doesn't, we just find our way and make it up and let the culture determine what we do. And I know, it's evident through the church. I'm not fighting a culture. I'm saying we better settle the Bible first before we get into that mess. See, for me, when I read the Bible, I, I, I love their promises in Scripture. Man, i got my favorite text, and all of us do. The promises. I listen to people say, I'm hanging out, I'm clinging to the promises of God. Yeah, but don't forget the promises are not just promises to you. They're promises that are linked to His purpose. Yeah. This is where I think God's challenging us as 
the church is that the Word of God reveals the purposes of God. Are you there? Don't just pick Scripture. Don't just preach Scripture. Come back. Genesis to Revelation reveals the purposes of God. Even COVID makes more sense when you read the Bible. But if you listen to the preachers, you want to blow your brains out. Forgive me. You want to run away. You want to quit. Why? Because the way we sing it is not how God sings it. The pain that we encounter is like, we got to come back to the Word of God, friends. And so for me, can I just tell you about the Bible? It doesn't just tell us what God says. It also shows us why God says it. And, and for many people, they lose their way when they lose their why. And so we just tell people, the Bible says, well, why don't we tell the people why the Bible says it? Go back to the book of Genesis and look at the beginning, how God created and what He created and why He created women and men differently. And how He made us differently. And we used to celebrate that. Now we're not allowed to talk about it. Don't you dare say we're different. We're exactly the same. Not according to the Creator. We can play the game of culture and put down one culture for the other. Or we can go back to the Bible and say, surely the Creator knew what He was doing when He created us. And there's a reason not to make someone lower or higher to make us different. There's a purpose. Not just what it says, why it says that. And if we can establish that, then all these other questions we're fighting around disappear. But if you just say the Bible says, that's not good enough, friends. What's the purpose of God in all of this? The Word of God reveals the purposes of God. Psalm 119, verse 89. Your Word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Meaning what? If it's settled here on earth, it's settled. I mean, if it's settled in heaven forever, it's settled here on earth. It's not up for debate. Not is it relevant for 2021 in America. It's settled in heaven forever. I'm pretty sure it's relevant here on earth. We got to settle. Either we believe it or we don't. But if you're not sure, you're up for missing the next season God has. And you're brave to preach the word of God nowadays because people don't like it, including churchgoers. They come to us as leaders. Tell us what you think. I don't have a thought. I've got a perspective from Scripture. Yeah, I know what the Bible says, but what do you say? What the Bible says is what I say. Yeah, I know, but really, what do you say? Well, if you have another really, you don't believe the Bible. Then we're missing the very dream of the Word of God. Stop giving them what you think. Who cares? I love you, but I don't care what you think. I want to know what the Bible says. Help me. Because man's thoughts are messed up. Even elders' thoughts are messed up if they're not biblical. Sorry to be real, but it's true. Guys, we've got to settle in biblical model before we get into any cultural wars out there. And they're coming more and more. Better know what the Bible says, not what you think. What your people want to know. Can I do... Can I, don't read into this, just hear me. <laughs> if you stand for your culture and your city more than you stand for the people God's called you to lead, you're in trouble when you stand before God. Because what we do is, in our desire to identify with a culture, and again, any culture, we're putting our people in bondage in the church. And as elders, your job is to love, lead, feed and keep your people free because they're His people. But it seems like we'd rather stand with the culture than we're 
keep our people free. And when you elders, I'm not an elder, you who are, you will stand before God and give an account for those people in your church. He's not going to say, hey, well done for standing for your culture out there. Well done for standing for East LA. He'll say, what did you do with the people? I purchased with my blood. What do you do with them? You put them in bondage by telling a culture you with them at the expense of every other. Are you there? You don't have to agree. Just, I felt God challenged me. You better take my people and keep them free. And there is stuff that needs to be dealt with in the church, but in the church, not out there. You go out there, you bring your people into bondage. You deal with your people here, we're going to bring freedom out there. We've got to settle in a biblical culture first. I think, unfortunately, too many see the Bible as a stimulus for self-exploration. Instead of realizing it's summoning from God to join us in His global purpose. God's purpose reveals, God's Word reveals God's purpose. I hope you're preaching the Word of God as in the purpose. Proverbs 19.21, you can make many plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Can I say we've got to stick to His plan if we want to walk in His purpose? The quickest way for elders to let His purpose die is to dedicate yourself to everyone else's purpose and plan. God's not committed to our dream. We've seen that established in this season. He's not committed to our dream. He's committed to His purposes. So in our preaching, you wonderful preachers, can I just say, preach the big picture of what God's called us to. Please, please. I don't know how, I don't, don't lead a church anymore, but I'm in churches and I visit I want to just preach the purposes of God. Stop giving them your ideas of how your church is going to do this and this. Just preach God's purpose, the Word of God. Great leaders give people something to believe in, not just something to do. Strong vision unleashes creativity. We need creative people like never before to step up. I'm not very creative, but I want to tell you this. Creativity is required in this season to reach people. And we all want that, but if you're not preaching big vision, then people aren't going to be creative. Or we're going to let, forgive me, you creative types, we're going to let the creative people hijack the future of the church. But if we can unpack big vision, it unleashes creativity and strategies and we find ways in God. Come back to the purposes of God. Please preach us. I believe vision is the ability to see a focused outcome within an unfocused reality. Present future. In our pastoring, help people in purpose. Don't just give them tricks to fixing things. Picture, big picture. I mean, honestly, I'm not trying to be a hero in this. This is what pastor's calling me saying, what do I do? I said, I don't know. Let's go back to the Word of God. And let me just help you with God's purpose. And they're like, gee, thanks, Tyron. That's all I needed. All I did was point them back to the Word, not try this, give this a go. This might work. Big picture. People want to know. Pastor people through the season, not by telling them to come back to church. Give them the purpose of God, the bigness of what we're called to, in pain, in future, but get it in our own hearts, in our pastoring. We've got to be more effective in shepherding, friends. The Word of God makes us effective. Take us back to the Word. That's what it means to find your Bible on the sidewalk. Come back to the Word of God. Prophesying has to be linked. I think where prophecy has gone really wrong, and it's gone wrong, Someone now, like, we don't need prophecy. No, we do. 
But I think when you don't link prophecy to God's purpose, you get in trouble. So when we're running after prophecy at the expense of God's purpose, it's no longer prophecy. We just read it's actually originating in the heart of God. It's God's purpose. So when there's a prophecy that comes, when, when uh, Ken prophesied that prophecy to me, it's linked to the purposes of God. It's not I'm running after a vehicle <laughs> or running after. It's I'm linked the purposes of God in this season. Does that make sense? And I mean, we can get really in trouble and prophesying who's going to win this election and all those. Can, can I just ask you, please don't. I, I, I hope we've learned. For two years' time, we'll see again. And I'm not even getting political. I'm just saying God is not worried about the White House while we all put our faith in who gets in there. I mean, I just don't know. As American to Americans, please. Some way we've got to come back to the purposes of God. And God doesn't need a certain person in the White House to fulfill His purpose. I just want you to know that. It, 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 this, is the, this is a great country for many reasons. But one of the things we don't do well is we think the White House determines what God can do. And somehow we've got to break that. And if you don't want to break that, you're going to be hurt every four years and depressed. And <laughs> Whoever wins, because no one actually works out. I'm not saying your vote doesn't come. <laughs> I just watch, like every four years. It's getting worse. And now we throw rocks at each other because, hey, what, about, what happened? We care so much about earthly stuff. How about some prophecy? I mean, maybe I get in trouble, and I probably am about to. So let me say this. Do you think, it, listen, if it mattered. <laughs> no, I better not. This is a... I don't even know if God wants us to know who's going to win the election before the election. Because if He did, then it means that it matters so much for His purpose. This is the only country that needs to know before. We, all the rest countries, we just vote and wait. I mean it. And then, okay, gee, they won, we'll pray for them because that's what we're called to do, but we'll carry on with our tithes. Our tithes is not that simple. It actually is. We've complicated by saying, God's going to tell us who gets in because it really matters. Then... It's not linked to His purpose. Like God will tell us things that are linked to His purpose. So how about prophesying the purposes of God rather than who we want in the White House? I, 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 know, I know I'm rattling the cage, but there's some shaking happening to show us what we anchored to. If I'm wrong, God forgive me. My heart says I, I love this nation more than most Americans. I know more about your elections and more about our founding fathers because I was forced to learn it to become an American. The ignorance of Americans, I don't, I'm not ignorant. I'm, I am ignorant to a lot, but I, I know you. I love this nation. And if you don't, try visit another one. Just visit. We got issues, but my goodness, we're blessed. And God's not looking to them. He's looking to us. To lead in a season like this to the purposes and plans of God. And we pray and we trust and we vote. But whatever happens, we trust God because He's in control. And I'm not downplaying, so please vote. But then respect what God does. Even if you think the devil did it, trust God. But prophesy according to the purposes of God. Are you with me, friends? And I saw you, my friend. Will you come back to the next session, please? Practice living and leading. Practice it.
prayer. Okay, I've got to land this thing. So, so purpose of God he spoke of, uh, the Word of God. Friends, I, I, I know this is so obvious. What are we going to do with this season? Are we seriously going to be biblical? Or are we going to reference a scripture to fit into our preaching series? Stop. I don't tell you what to do, but if you're going to be about the kingdom of God, we better get back to the Word of God. In all things, in what we tell people, what we expect, how we build, God's watching over His Word. The Word of the Lord came a second time, same Word. Do what I want you to do, not I'm going to do what you want me to do. Not just in our emphasizing and prayer, all things. Are they in the Bible? What's the purpose of God, the bigness to what women call? The second thing is prayer. I love that every church that I know now is praying again. Praise God, it took COVID for the church to pray again. A shutdown forced us to open up to prayer again. Thank God. If it means that, then so be it. But what's next? And now we all got prayer meetings, so we think we've got this. Prayer is not just having a prayer meeting. All time, we've got prayer meeting covered now because that's what God did. No, no, prayer. We were on our way to a prayer meeting. I find that interesting. We weren't on our way to an equip. We were on our way to a prayer meeting that NCMI is hosting. Why? Because prayer is essential. But it's also essential in our own lives. I love prayer. Someone said prayer is weakness leaning on omnipotence. That gives you a perspective of why we need to pray. And I want to tell you that prayer is not going to God to get something. If we're about a relationship, I don't pray to get. I pray not to get more from Him. I want to pray to get more of Him. Can, can I set some pastors free this morning and say this? You don't have to go to God every time you need something. You get to go to God anytime. It's absurd to think that every time, like my parents are still in Australia, I'm trying to get back there to go see them, all right? I'm booked in faith in February, and now this virus has popped its little head in South Africa, so they've shut down Australia again. Good luck with that. But I want to go there. But when I go there, I'm not going to sit at the table with my dad and say, hey, Pops, I'm here. Do you want to say something to me? Do you have something you want to share with me? Do you have some revelation for me? What kind of relationship do I have with my dad is every time I sit with him, he's got to tell me something. How about I just sit with him and enjoy him? And by the way, if he's got something to say, he might even say that. If he doesn't, I get up from that conversation of talking about nothing, just enjoying my father. That's my earthly father. My goodness, we go to him for stuff all the time without going to him just to be with him. You want life in your ministry? Get back to just being with him. Are you there? It's like... It's a relationship, friends. It's not a one-sided, give me so I can. Of course we need stuff. I, I need to hear God like never before to lead this team I'm leading. But there are times that I, every day, just sit with the Father and He doesn't tell me all the stuff and download from heaven and give me third heaven revelation. I just get to connect with my Father. And let me tell you this, when I walk away from that, I'm a better leader, I'm a better preacher, I'm a more effective husband. Why? Because I've been with Him, not I got something from Him. I go to get more of Him, not get more from Him. That's prayer. You're not going to get taught that in Bible college. It's like, quickly get this and do No, no. Go to Him. He's calling us to Him. Just go sit with Him. You're not wasting time being with Him. The best time you can give is be with Him. Your church needs you to be with Him. Your wife needs you. Your husband needs you. Your family needs you to be with Him. 
Not when we get out of the season, now in the season. Prayer engages God. It's seeking God. I love what Yonggi Cho says. Prayer is not dialogue. It's it's not monologue. It's dialogue. Listen, we are really good prayers because we've been taught. This is your list. Go to God. Tell Him what you want. And I've been taught that. And as He answers your prayer, delete it and show everyone how good God is. Well, that's monologue. A dialogue. A monologue. (laughs) That's one-sided prayer. That's basically us telling God what we need and what He should do. That's how we pray. Okay, God, we need you to do this, and God, you need to do this, and you need to bring that person back to our church, and you need to break a revelation over them. You better open their eyes. You need to raise up my son. My kids are You do you, you. Thank you, Lord. I've prayed. Yeah, we pray. So then you hear Tyrant preach about prayer. Yeah, of course. I pray every day. I've got my list, and I tell him every day what he needs to do. Brilliant. How about you delete that list for a moment, go sit with your father, and let him tell you what you need to do. Because I think that's what prayer is needed more than me telling him. It's more him telling us. If it's his word, then he wants to tell us how to respond to what he's saying. We just sat with him and asked him to speak. And we tell him some of our struggles and then we just listen. And he tells us stuff you can't get in a book. So it's more a dialogue. Can I say the one who does not expect God to speak will discount every time God does speak? God is speaking, my dear friends. Are we listening? Well, he's got to say this, and this is how he's got to say it. Well, he's not going to say it like you want him to say it. And let me just say this. If you've already determined what you want God to say, you're not going to really hear God. If you know his word, then you listen to him. This is 101 Christianity, let alone leadership. But this is what he's called us back to because we got so busy with all the other good stuff and missed the point God's called us to. John 15, we know it. You are my friends, he says. I've said this many times. Where were the prophets? And now we know that one did tell us about the shutdown and the lockdown. But I felt God challenged me in 2020, at the end of 2020. Where were you? Well, I'm not a prophet. Apparently the prophets tell us what God's doing, which is so out of context and so old covenant. Stop listening to that. I believe prophets should confirm what God's saying, not tell us what God's saying. God doesn't do anything except first revealing to the prophets. That's the old covenant truth. God's not obliged to that. There's Jesus. Remember in finality, Hebrews chapter 1, in the past God spoke to various places, various in, but in these last days he's spoken in finality. His son. I'm not saying we don't need prophets. We have them, but they confirm. They don't go to God for us, and they don't tell us what God's saying. We have the access to God in this new covenant. We as leaders better be going to God ourselves. Be careful what prophet's telling you what God's saying. You better know what God's saying to you as elders for your people. If a prophet brings something, it better fit in with what God's saying. And you better weigh it up rather than build your whole future around what a prophet said. You Okay. I love them, we have them, we need them, but the Ephesians 4 gifting is to equip us to hear God, not to hear God for us. I was like, where were the prophets? Where were you prophets? Why didn't you tell us? And the Lord said, where were you? Me, I'm not a prophet. Then I read John 15. What did it say? Jesus said this, I no longer call you servant because a servant does not know his master's business. I call you friend because I've revealed to you everything my father has said. 
I felt the Lord say, you're not my servant. You're my friend. I entrust you. Don't you have prophets? I come to you. I'm, in, I'm telling you what my father's doing. I'm not saying get rid of the prophets. I'm saying go back to being a, a friend of him, not just a servant for him. He wants to show us in the season and time of what he's called us to. It's very specific. Search the scriptures, my friends. Like I've, 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 it's like the word of God's become life again. <laughs> because I've put aside all the notes and said, okay, Lord, show me. What do you want me to see? What do you want to show me? And Philippians is one of these great books. We all, like for us as a partnership, and it's become life-giving again. I've seen things in there I've never seen, not because I'm clever, because I asked the Holy Spirit to reveal some stuff. Yeah. Search the Scriptures rather than just read them. I think there are too many are quoting books, honestly, and I watch and I listen. How many books have been written in this season about COVID? Please. How to lead through COVID. Wait, we're still in it. Why are you writing a book on it? Let's see the fruit before you write the book. I mean, I'm a New York bestseller. I mean, come on. Who cares about New York and the bestseller? What does God say? And so we stand up and say, I read this in a book and I quoted this guy. And I quote. We're quoting books rather than the Word of God. And we want our people to love the Word when we're quoting people. Imagine if you could stand up and say, the Bible says. Rather than, oh, Rick Warren said this, or Tyron Daniel said this, or the Bible says, God said. Well, I want to hear that. Yeah. Reading all seasons for our lives. Can you read God's season? We're really good at reading seasons for the church, but not for our own lives. We really know. I'm just being honest. Like our church, yeah, they say, what about you? Is your season over? Not because you're quitting, because God says it's over. What's the shift in season for you? What? We're so good at telling everyone else what they should do, but we're not good. we've got to come back to hearing God for us and for the ministry we call. Make sense? See what he's doing now, friends. Today you may be walking in prayers that are prayed in previous seasons. I feel like the stuff we're walking in today is actually an answer to the prayers we prayed before. But it doesn't look like we thought. I asked God to help me not to be as busy globally. I was burning out. I'm just being honest. Eight months on the road, just going from city to nation to nation, jet lagged unsustainable but unstoppable. Carry on. Remember, we're supposed to die for this thing, so just die. <laughs> Great testimony, but he who wants to save his life will lose it, so let's just lose our lives for the sake of the gospel. I mean, we can say some great things, can't we? Out of context, but who cares? Sounds spiritual. Run, Tyron, we'll follow you. You need to be in our nation. Yes, I'll be in your nation. Your na and I'm not blaming anyone. And then suddenly, boom, it's shut down. I'm like, gee, this is Horrible. I want to get out. Let me get out of this great nation of America and there's other world out there. And now things are starting to open. Everyone's like, you need to come back to my nation. You need to come back and we need you here. And I'm like, whoa, hang on. What does he want? Because very quickly I could be eight months on the road again. Yeah. Now, if that's what he wants, so be it. But I'm not sure that's what he wants. That's what I inherited. So what does he want? What must I say no to and what must I say yes to? And not picking and choosing, just simply saying what is being affected. Who are we wasting our time with? I mean, forgive me, all people matter, but some people are wasting your time. And you're chasing after people who don't want to be in your church at the expense of those who've come back. 
And every time you tell those who've come back, hear you, you're telling them how you wish the others were there. And they're like sitting there, what are we, like chopped liver? What are we doing here? You want them. We are here. Equip us to go and get this job done. (laughs) Don't forget to pause and remember the faithfulness of God in all circumstances and situations. I think we need to be way more aware of God's presence in our everyday life and invite Him into active involvement in what we're doing, what He's called us to. Prayer is not an optional extra. When I moved to this nation, to plant this church in Denver, I'm landing, we're going to go have coffee. And I remember talking to some pastors, and they told me this, you know, Tyron, prayer meetings don't work in America. They literally told me that. Pastors in my city, prayer doesn't work here. I said, why is that? They said, because people don't show up when you pray. And we came from a church that had hundreds and hundreds of people show up to our prayer meeting. That's the prayer, the church I was leading in Australia. We had hundreds of hundreds and hundreds come to pray every Wednesday night. And so I listened to them, and we didn't have a prayer meeting for a while. Because no one come. And I realized, now hang on, biblically, we... we <laughs> We're going to either be biblical or cultural. Make a, choose one. And if you're going to let your people determine what you do, you're no longer doing what God's called you. Is it the effectiveness how many people show up or is it effectiveness you pray? Think about that. It is praying. We think the results is how many show up. No, the results of the early church was in power because the church was praying. That's the direct blessing. So we decided to start praying, remember? We actually said, no, we're going to pray. I'm like, come on, guys, we've got to pray. No, I'm not sure people are real busy in Denver. Yeah, I'm sure they are. With the wrong thing. Let's pray. And we got to pray. And friends, I want to just tell you, our nation's a mess. I want to tell you, not just because we've got bad presidents and bad White House, because the church is too busy to pray. Or if we do, we tag it on or add it on as a 10-minute after the real thing called the meeting we have so you can hear me preach. Because I matter more than him. (laughs) Come back to prayer. Weakness leaning on omnipotence. And not old covenant, if my people call by name or humble themselves and seek not for Not that. That's great, but we are in a new covenant. Don't go back to repenting for something we've not done. We're living in the new, but Jesus is the solution. But we need to pray like never before. Church didn't... Okay, all right. Let's pray. I mean, this has gone totally different to how I, 5.30 this morning, imagined it. Lord, thank you. But I, I, again, friends, I, if I just stood up and said, hey, pray more, read your Bible more, we're all like, uh-huh. This is a whole shift in everything. And we can either get back in this vehicle that's been given back to us now and get back to the busyness of ministry, life, everyone wanting us to do all this, or we can actually say, you know what? We've got to settle some stuff. The calling... I didn't pick him, he picked me. I didn't say choose me, he chose me. Settled. It doesn't mean my seasons don't shift and change, but the calling of God is without us changing at every time. Secondly, the Word of God. Like, like radically biblical. Like, not, 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 we'll add the Bible to what our culture. No, no, it's all Bible or no Bible. And you're going to lose some people and lose some friends. And you're going to lose a lot of stuff, but you're going to stick to what is unshakable, regardless of what comes from. And we can't hand over something that we don't possess. If it's not the Word, what are we handing on? 
My two sons are here. That the Word of God, it's not what your dad does, it's what God said. And pray, meaning I haven't got this without Him. And it's not this thing I go to when I have a need. It's I go to Him because I am needing Him all the time. Weakness, leaning on omnipotence. And watch what He shows you. Opens opportunities, buildings, facilities, situations. You'll see into people's lives. You'll see with who are wasting your time. You'll know how to, it's just God's way. But we're so busy learning how to, we're missing what He's called us to. Father, these are your people, your leaders, your friends. My friends, but they're your friends. And you haven't brought us here just only to remind us. You've also brought us here to command us. And we know this. I know that even people in this room have this in their heads and say, I know this. But God, would you help us move it from knowing to actually living? revelation. Move from head to heart. I ask boldly that you will arrest our hearts today. That, that if we're going to be going and trying to do stuff that's not biblical, arrest our hearts. If we're going to go into seasons of us preaching ours, would you just shut our mouths? We're going to start trying to build our thing again. Would you just help us see? Keep shaking. I know it's a harmful, hard, hurtful thing, but would you keep shaking? We want to be anchored to you and you alone. We thank you for the season. We thank you for the new season. We thank you that the vehicle's back to some degree, but we want to be about the word and about the purposes and pray. That's where the power is. So we ask these things in your precious name. Bless these friends of mine. In Jesus' name, amen.